Amen. So when, I was, when we were first married, you know, Gracie and I were married at the First United Methodist Church. I've shared that before. We got off in our little Ford Escort wagon with plenty of little, you know, um, interesting slogans painted on the side. And um, we got, you know, headed up to Chattanooga because we were going to stay the night at Casa Grande del Rio. And we stopped for our, one of our first meals as a married couple. And so we stopped at Cracker Barrel, which is one of our, of our favorite places to stop. And so, you know, it's, it was such a fun time, and, you know, there's a lot of energy in the room, and we're excited, and we get to the end of our meal, and Gracie's looking away, or maybe, I don't know, she might have gone into the store to look for something. Well, she left a biscuit on her plate. <laughs> and in my family, when you leave it on the plate, it means you don't want it. <laughs> Apparently, in her family, if you leave it on the plate, it's because you intend to save it. So she comes back in and sits down at the table and she just looks at me with this funny look and says, where is my biscuit? And I said, well, in my family, you know, it means that you don't want it. And she said, well, in my family, it means that you do. (laughs) You know, if I'm honest. But it was at that time that I realized for the first time that this, this process of becoming one it was going to take some time, right? <laughs> We're coming from, from different perspectives. Don't take my biscuit. <laughs> you know, I've learned. I don't, I don't mess with the biscuit anymore. But you know, whether in marriage or just a close friendship, getting to know another person d- d- just takes time, right? It takes time. It takes experience with that person. It takes misunderstandings with that person. Whether it's a, a marriage relationship or a friend, it takes embarrassing moments, and much, much more. Today we're going to start a three-part series called Celebrate Marriage. The reason that I believe God wants us to celebrate marriage is He designed marriage to be a picture of the kind of relationship that He wants to have with each one of us. We're going to begin today with a story in Matthew where Jesus points out the purpose of marriage. So turn to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to cover verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to point out some things about this story that I found fascinating and that will be very um, instructive for us this morning. Verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. So there's a big crowd of people. You know, this is what Jesus would often do. He has an, an opportunity to do some teaching. And everything he says is really significant because his, his ministry's gotten a lot of momentum at this point. There's opposition. And so everybody's hanging on the things that he's going to say. And there are people in the crowd that are looking basically for Jesus to hang himself. And there's other people that are just curious what he's trying to get at as a teacher. Verse 3, some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So here's the Pharisees. Here they come, the religious guys. huh? They're looking to trip Jesus up and damage his credibility. That's their game. You know, John the Baptist was put in prison and killed, at least in part because of his view of this subject, marriage and divorce. Got him in hot water with Herod. So they're hoping to trap Jesus too. So that's a little bit of context. The Pharisees are trying to goad Jesus into taking sides in a debate. 
One group felt that marital or that divorce was only justified if there was marital unfaithfulness. The other group felt like any, just about any and every reason was justification for divorce. This is a no-win situation. You know, several years ago, um, my wife had you know cooked some zucchini, and it, and it was really enjoyable. But my son was just determined, you know, that he could not eat it, and he really couldn't. And so we just insisted, son, you are going to eat those vegetables. You're going to eat them. That's just the way it is. And he said, but I can't. I really can't. Well, in the end, we forced him. You know, we did that parent power play, and we won, you know, and that, how, how good that feels. But you know what happened in the end? We all lost. <laughs> we all lost. So Jesus is in a no-win situation. And he refuses to enter into this low level of debate, right? This is what they're talking about. What is legally allowed? Instead, as he did many times, Jesus is about to elevate the conversation. He's not going to get dragged in. He knows it's a no-win situation. He's going to elevate the conversation. Rather than affirming the circumstances under which divorce is allowed, he makes a case for why divorce was never intended. God intended for marriage to be permanent. You know, there are very few things in life that last. Can you think of some? You know, the things that are built to last, that last a long time, and the longer they last, the more valuable they are. Things that, tend to, that last tend to have lasting value, and I believe and have seen, as this story this morning shows, that marriage is one of those things. You know, what, it, what an encouragement it is to see a marriage that lasts. You know, my wife has an uncle. His name's Jerry. He has a wife named Bess, and they're probably in their 70s now. And whenever we spend time together with, with her family and they're there, they'll spend time and they'll talk and they'll engage. And, you know, Bess's health isn't great, but they go through this same routine. You know, they've been together, what, 30, 40 years. They go through the same routine as, as Jerry will come up to her and he'll say, You ready to go, Mom? And she'll say, yeah, I'm about ready to go, Dad. And then he'll take her arm and help her up. And then truthfully, I think they kind of help each other out to the car. And you know, I don't think their marriage is a perfect one. Anybody in here got a perfect one? Been a part of a perfect marriage? Uh, how? Okay. <laughs> we'll deal with you later. Oh, oh two. Okay, this, this is not working out. But marriages that last have value, and they have lasting value. Verse 4, Jesus is about to elevate the conversation. Haven't you read? Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to teachers. I mean, he's talking to the good guys, the guys who know everything. And he's saying, haven't you read? I love how Jesus just picks at them, you know, pokes at them a little bit because they're so arrogant. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? We're made differently, right, men and women? We're different. I had some examples I was going to share this morning, and I didn't get permission. So just bear with me. Clothes shopping. Men and women are a little bit different, right? So I go into the store, or I go into the, into the Walmart, and I've got you know, my prey in mind. I'm going to go in. I'm going to hunt it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to bag it, and I'm going to get on my way. But my wife... You know, my sweet wife, it's a little bit different. It's almost, amen, yeah. It's almost like she's dating. 
What? No, no, no. Bear with me. So she'll go in and she'll pick out, you know, some things that look interesting, and she'll get she'll get a you know a sack, you know a, a cart full, take them to the dressing room, try them all on, you know, just how, how's it look, how's it feel, put them all back, you know, <laughs> and then get the next load. But you know, it's, it's just a difference, you know. I'm, I want to go in, I want to get it done, and get on with my day. I don't care if I wear the same thing, you know. I'll tell my son, yeah, at camp, it's like you know, you, you, you got to change clothes soon. But that's just we're a little bit different, right? Okay, getting ready in the morning, this is a little bit different, right? You know, for me, my goal is efficiency. I like to do the same routine every morning. I like, I'll time myself. How fast am I getting ready? I'm getting ready about the same time. That's a win. You know, for my beautiful bride, it's more of a production, right? I mean, you have to, it, there's a lot of choices. You've got to choose the right outfit. You've got to, you've got to make up correct, you've got to style the hair correct, but for her, it's about getting prepared for the day. You know, if she doesn't prepare well for the day, then she doesn't feel good as she goes about her business, and for us, it's just kind of like anything will do, you know. So it's a little bit different production in the morning. What about eating out, men? Take me to the buffet, right? Give me that golden corral, let's, let's pull up a chair to the trough. <laughs> My wife, you know, let, let's choose somewhere with a nice environment, huh? the, the right setting, the right, the right lighting, the right music. You know, and for her, the quality of the food, and even, and, you know, for me, especially, the size of the portions, it's just not so important to her. It's, it's the quality of the experience. Traveling. The bathroom is my enemy. It will slow me down from reaching my goal. But my, for my, my sweet wife, the quality of the trip's more important. If it takes a little bit longer, that's okay. But for me, we've got to get there soon. Yeah, you know, emotions, man, we stuff, right? We go silent. I'm going to be noble. I'm not going to say anything. But my wife, you know, she wants me to understand where she's coming from, you know? So, so they're expressive, and, and, we, and we struggle with that sometimes. But the truth is, man, I mean, thank God for the differences. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we'd, we'd be easy to live with if we had just a replica of ourselves. So thank God for the differences. Verse 5. So he says, male and female are different for a reason. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So the two are made differently in order to become one. A man leaves his father and mother. He releases the past for a purpose, to be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. And obviously there's a sexual reference here, but there's more to the story. You know, physical union, it's kind of temporary, but the oneness described is ongoing and continuous. You know, they say that couples that have been married for a long time tend to assimilate each other's preferences. You know, I've very much found this to be true because I am so stubborn that eventually she likes everything that I do. But isn't that true? I know I'm, I'm digging myself a ditch today. But everybody's enjoying it, so that's important. <laughs> but isn't that true? I mean, the longer you're married, you just you start to like the same things. You kind of talk in the same ways. You tell the same stories, maybe more than once. But that's just the way it works. It just takes time, and it's ongoing. It's not just a one-time thing. You know, to have a good marriage, you've got to work at it. You've know, you got to talk every day. You got to spend time together. We went on a date last night, and that's a regular habit of ours. 
So oneness is ongoing and continuous. Verse 6, Jesus continues. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. So in other words, don't mess with what God has done. You know, there are very few things in this life that are sacred. You know, when they are honored, everyone benefits. When they're not honored, everybody loses something. The value of life is something like that. When it's honored and we treat people with importance and value, then everybody wins, everybody benefits. And it's the same way with marriage. So let's celebrate marriage. Verse 7, Jesus has gotten himself into hot water now. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? So because Jesus has elevated the conversation, now he's called both viewpoints into question. And they're very uncomfortable. And they're saying, Jesus, the law permits it. So what's your problem? Huh? It's legal. It's not forbidden. So what's wrong with it? And so Jesus, they're saying, make a choice. And he says, I'm not going to choose either perspective. You ever feel forced to choose between two bad options? I think we've all had that situation. Jesus refused to choose. He wasn't interested in the interpretation of Shammai or Hillel. Those are the two thought leaders of the day. As we said last week, God's opinion was Jesus' priority. And then verse 8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. So he's literally getting to the heart of the matter. Hard hearts, forced concessions. You've got to give them a little ground because we're not willing Our hearts are hard. You know, the abundance of laws and litigation in our society, they wouldn't be necessary if people followed the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But because we're not willing, because our hearts are focused on ourselves, we need laws and litigation to address things, to resolve differences. But that's not the way it was intended. And that's not what God intended for marriage. It was not this way from the beginning. And then finally, verse 9. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. So biblically, there's only one basis for divorce. So Jesus eventually does take sides. You know, he says this is the biblical view, but that was not the intention. God had a bigger plan, a bigger purpose for marriage. You know, God, when it comes to our past, and we've all got one, he doesn't want us to live in the past to kind of wallow in the past. He wants us to learn from it. And God wants us to make peace with the past in order to move forward with him. So what are the God lessons today? Number one is actually that God is one. God is one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. God is a perfect picture of oneness, of unity, of intimacy, You know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they know each other intimately. They delegate seamlessly. They affirm one another liberally. They serve one another, and they serve together. So when we look at our God, God is one and a perfect picture of oneness and the oneness that he wants to have with us. Also, God is patient. You know, unity... It takes time. It's a process. You know, God built time into the process because he is interested in things that grow over time. 
Isn't that encouraging that we serve a patient God today? You know, God's like a master gardener. You know, he plants, he sows, he waters, and he takes the long view with you and with me, with our relationships. He's willing to wait. He's willing to invest. He's willing to be patient. And then also God makes beauty out of ashes. He makes beauty out of ashes. And maybe that's the truth that you need to hear today. You know, God specializes in lost causes. It's what he specializes in. It's when he does some of his most beautiful work. Aren't those the stories that inspire us? Maybe that's your story. Hard times, low point, struggling, and then God enters the picture. And God saves the day. And God turns things around, not overnight, but over time. Because he's patient. Because he can make beauty out of ashes. So this morning, what are our action steps for you? Number one, let's pursue oneness. If that's what God designed, let's pursue it. Pursue oneness with God and pursue oneness with other believers. You know, God describes his relationship with us like a marriage. And you know, as a man, I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But that's the way God describes it because that is the closest human relational physical, you know, connection that exists is marriage. You know, without marriage, it'd honestly be a little bit difficult to have a clear picture of oneness. I mean, I have close friends, but like Gracie and I say all the time, she's my best friend. It'd be difficult to have a clear picture without that. Oneness is a picture of what God wants to experience with his people. It is a picture of what God wants his people to experience with each other. You know, the bottom line is that marriage is meant to be an encouragement and an invitation to a closer relationship with God and each other. That's what it's for. It's a picture. It's an encouragement. It's an invitation to a closer walk with God and a closer relationship with each other. So let's celebrate it. But let's get practical for a moment. How can you pursue oneness with God this week? Maybe for you it's prayer. You know, have a little time by yourself in the morning, in the rocking chair. Find a quiet spot. Lay out your request before God. Thank Him for who He is. Take a few minutes and just talk to your Heavenly Father. I did that this morning. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be fancy. It was just me sitting in the front row just talking about what's, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and then asking for His input. For, so for you, maybe the, the step to pursue oneness with God this week is prayer. Maybe it's study, you know, set aside a little bit of time to read his word. I have kind of a little plan that I go through. Just refreshing yourself, reminding yourself of truth is very valuable. Maybe for you it's worship. You know, I love to plug in my earphones and I'll put on a Pandora station like a Wren Collective or a Chris Tomlin and I'll just kind of quiet my heart and let those truths wash over me and I feel closer to God. Or for you, maybe it's nature. You know, some of you maybe like to take a walk in the woods, take a walk down your street, be quiet, breathe, and just meditate on who God is and on the nature that he's created. How can you pursue oneness with others this week? You know, maybe it's schedule a coffee with that friend you haven't seen in a while, somebody who encourages you in the Lord. Maybe it's to take a walk with somebody. You know, maybe it's to make a phone call to somebody that God's put on your heart and just connect with them and get to know them a little bit or just rekindle that friendship. 
And this isn't perfect, but some of us, you know, the reality of it is maybe a good way for you to connect with others this week is through social media or email. So how can you pursue oneness with God and with other people this week? What steps can you take? Number two, lean into the process. You know, becoming one is a process. Oneness is not natural. You know what's natural? Territorial, right? I got my turf, and you got your turf, and I'm on my own, and you're on your own. So oneness is not natural. It's supernatural. Cooperation is not natural, right? What's natural? Compromise. You know, I give a little bit, and you give a little bit, and I get some of what I want, and you get some of what you want, and we neither of us get what we want, really. But what God wants for us is cooperation. You know, truthfully, a wedding's just a ceremony. Some of you have been through them. It's just a ceremony. But oneness is a testimony to a process. So we've, we've got our first step. You know, what are those things that you can do to pursue oneness with God and other people? And then the second step is about process. And we lean into the process by scheduling time to pursue oneness. You know, once you determine what are the ways that you can pursue oneness, then it's time to schedule it because what gets done in our lives? I, I know what gets done in my life. It's whatever gets on the calendar. You've got to set aside time. You've got to budget time. You've got to schedule time so there's space in your life to be with God, so there's space in your life to be with other people. You know, as we mentioned last week, small deposits of time over time are what make the difference. And then lastly, resolve to see it through. You know, if marriage is intended to be a picture of our relationship with God, then sadly, separation distorts that image. Separation distorts the image. God intended for marriage to be permanent. But the truth is, you know, it's not, if, if you've had brokenness in your past, it's not what God intended, but you and your circumstances are not beyond redemption. You're not beyond redemption. Good marriages, close families, close friendships, they can all be inspiring. They can all point us to our Heavenly Father because He is a perfect picture of oneness and that's what He desires for us to have with Him and each other. So decide today that in the key relationships God has put in your life, that you will pursue oneness and you will regularly lean in as long as it takes. As long as it takes so that God can do the work he wants to do in you and through you. So let's resolve to see it through. Let's not miss out when the going gets tough. Let's push through. Let's lean in. Let's pursue oneness and let's see God do the work that he wants to do. Let's give him that chance when we want to bail out and call it quits and move on. And I understand this. It's hard when you have friction. We all know that. But let's resolve to see it through. What if we were to pursue oneness with each other and with other believers to believe that life is better together? What if we'd be willing to go against our natural tendencies and lean into the process of growing closer to God and each other? You know, what if we would resolve to lean in long enough 
to see the good results that our Heavenly Father intends. Not just for us, but for our families as well. Because when you think about our society, systems and processes and laws, it's not going to change things. It's going to be God changing hearts. And it's going to be God changing families from the inside out. That's what's going to transform things. That's what's going to transform economic realities. It's not going to be legislation. It's going to be God changing hearts and changing families from the inside out. Think of what God could do with a group of people who are growing together. How might he leverage that for his glory? You know, the truth is that God wants us to experience oneness with him and oneness with other believers because it's what's best for all of us. So let's be willing to pursue oneness, to lean into the process and resolve to see it through. Pray with me. God, thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to consider this passage of Scripture. And that God, when the Pharisees were looking for a way out, they're looking for a loophole, God, Jesus closed it and he elevated the conversation. He said that marriage is intended for something much greater, a much deeper purpose, God, to be a picture of the kind of relationship that you want to have with each one of us. And so, God, I pray that we would pursue knowing you, that we would seek you out, God, that we would make regular appointments to be seeking you through your word and prayer and walking in nature. And then, God, that that would overflow into us pursuing relationships and connections with each other so that we can be an encouragement, God. And, God, we just pray for all the marriages represented in this room, God, the future marriages represented in this room, God, that you would use us, that you would help us, God, to persevere, that you would help us to forgive And as we continue on in this series, God, you continue to teach us how we can take full advantage of the opportunity that marriage is to grow and to be a blessing to each other and to others and to the world. We love you, God, and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.